1: The movie. Now, we are here uh, with the people behind the movie. That is uh, writer Stefan Schlachtenhaufen and director David Guy Levy, and as well as we are joined by my sister from com, Alison Jornlin. But California gentlemen, how are you enjoying the wonderful weather while we're freezing our junk off here?
0: Well, actually, it's pouring rain here, and it's going to be raining and cold for the next week or so. Uh, so usually we have it a lot better than you guys. And I know cause I'm from Wisconsin. But, oh, wow. Um, it, it, uh, yeah, it's, it's a little chilly right now. All right. Well, good. You deserve it. <laughs> uh,
1: no, but I want to congratulate you guys on the premiere of the film, uh, the Mandela effect,
2: the other world film festival. Is there any relation to you guys? Probably not.
1: Oh, uh, no. Uh, Unfortunately, we're not big enough to have our own film festival yet. But just give us a couple of years and some funding, we'll see what
0: happens. <laughs> well, the Other Worlds Festival was, was the first time it showed uh, publicly, but but really the the, the big premiere is coming up next week, uh, here in Los Angeles.
2: If you're it's in right. LA, right, you're doing, so. If you're in Los Angeles, we're doing two nights of screenings that we'll all attend at the theater it's playing at. And there's still tickets left to the Saturday show. So if you get on our social media, you can find a link to that.
1: So just wondering in the beginning, so we've talked about the Mandela effect before in the podcast and, and to explain it to people, it's the idea that when you remember something in the past, uh, you're, the memory is almost what you remember in the past. Isn't necessarily how it actually happened. So the Mandela effect comes from, uh, this woman, Fiona broom and, she remembered that Nelson Mandela didn't make it out of prison and he in 1994, but that he died uh, in the South African prison. And so uh, this idea when Nelson Mandela actually died in our present reality, um, people were saying that like, I, I remember Nelson Mandela dying back in the day. So how does that jibe with the news report I just saw?
2: Yeah. She was in a, she was like at a conference and there's like, a lot of people around her when he passed, passed away in, you know, at the more, the more updated version of reality, you know, the, the the one we all know now. And uh, uh, she was with like a bunch of people and they were all confused and they all sort of collectively called it the Mandela effect. And then she started sort of, I guess, uh, putting a pinpoint on this phenomenon, which I'm sure probably
0: existed before then, but yeah. cataloging Cataloging other instances. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I mean in, in my own life, I mean the whole Bernstein or Stein and st- Stain Bears, I mean, that one does it for me. I'm That's like what got oh, me. I, I know it was Stein. Yeah. You know, I know it was Stein or you know, it was it was not Stein. It was definitely not Stein. I <laughs> yeah.
1: I always pronounced it Bernstein, like
2: Frankenstein. Yeah, or my whatever, wife you know? my wife says Stein. I always said Stein. Which but luckily, it's definitely not
3: stain. But they definitely not stain. <laughs> stain. Yeah, I and that that's a really weird one because it's so like, you know, it it, it doesn't seem to matter. You know, it, it's one of those tiny little details, but it really gets in there because you're like, no, I rem- I clearly remember because I was like, are these Jewish bears? You know, I, I, <laughs> right. I this is what I was.
2: When I, I first know, uh heard about him, uh that was the one that hooked me into the whole thing i was I was with Stefan's brother-in-law uh who I went to film school with um call his name's Trevor, and he we were sitting having lunch and he just said, "You know, uh you know the barons uh, Stein Bears?" and I said, "Oh yeah, of course he's like, you know it's called the Berenstain Stein Bears," and I was like, "What?" and that just was rabbit hole opened
3: yeah I mean it's for something so small like that. Seemingly insignificant, uh, makes you question your whole reality.
1: So, what got you guys interested in making a movie about it? Because it's one thing to, um, you know, take a traditional like paranormal trope, like vampires or werewolves, or stuff that people kind of understand because they've been inundated with their entire lives, and then say like, okay, we're going to pick this newer topic and try to make a movie about it. Like, what was the impetus behind that?
2: Well, I think maybe that lunch with Trevor, because then I think I called Stefan pretty quickly after that, and I was like, um, "Have you heard of this thing? We should be talking about this." Um, you know, and then I think you know, obviously, we all grew up with really interesting movies like uh, The Matrix, and and there's a Fassbender movie uh, called World on a Wire, which once I started going down this rabbit hole with Stefan, we both started watching too because it's about living in a simulation. Uh, but you know, I was looking at simulation theory just randomly at the same time as Mandela came up around. So when we were looking at you know ways to approach the material, the angle that uh, maybe third of the theories are sort of simulation related. I think that's what interested us the most was you know that scientific side of it, as opposed to maybe more stretch, more of a stretch to a th- the theories that stretch a little further into maybe. Fantasy, you
0: know, and I and I think um, at that time um, it was it was right around uh, the 2016 election, and there was a lot of conversations uh, being had about. Um, I is mean, around fake news, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was it was definitely in the zeitgeist, not just as a, as an internet um, meme, but but thematically, uh, we're we're sort of at this crossroads where where um, reality can can be manipulated. Um, our technology is starting to to reach that point where where um people can can create artificial shifts in how things are perceived um, or can exploit people to uh to 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 question um reality on a mass scale how would something like this
2: happen if it wasn't a scientist wanting to gather data <laughs> because it's like there's no logic to a lot of it so it just seems like you know and i think there's like a there's also two ways to approach it you know too like there's that that public shared reality that we all have, like when Trump got elected. Um, But then how do you get, you know, how do you really have a character that you can relate to if uh, they're sort of, if it's sort of more external than that. So interestingly enough, like my, my wife got cancer. And then a few months later, Stefan's dad got cancer. And like everything in our personal lives too, was just like intense. And so, you know, like when that happened, You know, you have then your personal life not making sense. And I think we definitely found that having a character with his own personal grief that, you know, was relating to the public thing with these more broader uh, pop culture references. But then also having personal memories with someone they care about that were being changed because of that was sort of our angle into the story
1: there's a, a couple of things I, I want to kind of expound upon there. Um, number one, that idea of, so we, we have these shared Mandela effects with all these other kinds of people, you know, other people with like all oh, the Berenstain, like oh, everyone here in this podcast right now had that experience with the Berenstain bears. Oh, They're yeah. Like what stain Get you, you leave here like that's <laughs> fighting words. And, um, and then um, there's personal things like you were saying that, the way we remember things ourselves, like especially the painful stuff. and, and that's kind of you know the emotional hook of uh, the film is around a, a father who has a a, a very great loss happened to him. And then when all these different things in reality start shifting around him, it's the idea of, can he regain what he's lost? And I think that's a that's a very powerful hook because it takes something silly like the Berenstain Bears, or we can go on some of the Easter eggs that you guys put in the movie. Of all, like you guys hit almost all of the ones out there of the shared Mandela effects that people have experienced.
2: And even like, if not in your face, definitely subtly, there's thumped up stuff that if you go, oh wait, they did do that.
0: Yeah, <laughs> right. I mean, we we wanted to we wanted to pay homage to all those that people have um have an attachment to. Uh, but we knew that that wouldn't sustain a movie onto itself. And then we also decided early on, we didn't want this to be like a, like a spy thriller. So, you know, we kind of pulled everything back to a smaller story about this family. Um, and then, then applied the sort of these bigger ideas to that, that sort of tragic, uh, story.
1: And, um, because it can be on, on a huge level, you know, when you were talking about reality shifts, I just, I just saw a deep fake made by MIT this week, uh, and it was richard nixon saying that the uh, astronauts on the moon had to be left behind because of uh, <laughs> you know and, and so it was this idea of like they cr- they created a deep fake of richard nixon you know saying that buzz aldrin and neil armstrong didn't make it home from the moon and it looks awesome i mean it look aw- i mean it looks awesome it looks like a 19 late 1960s video news video and it sounds like richard nixon and it looks like richard nixon saying it and you're just saying they're going Well, now that I've seen, I mean, this is the kind of stuff that can get into people's memories for the rest of their life. Yeah. And so the Mandela effect does suggest something that I guess I hadn't thought of on on a deeper level, but, um, you know, people using shifts in reality to kind of emotionally manipulate humans and votes and opinion and all those kind of things that, um, can have a big effect on our regular reality. So I think it's interesting that you used the 2016 election as a kind of a like a point of what that's made you was inspiration for the film because when something so unexpected happens, like Donald Trump becoming like the guy from The Apprentice becoming the president of the United States, something you know wherever you are politically, it, I mean it doesn't matter. Nobody saw that coming.
3: Not even yeah. Donald Trump. Donald oh, Trump even I his
2: supporters that saw that coming.
3: Yeah, I've got to say, as a paranormal researcher, I mean that's the one thing I've got to cite. Which, if there's anything that's ever happened to me, that's the one thing where the, the silver lining is that it really makes me believe in the paranormal. I'm <laughs> like, if that can happen, anything can happen. That's right. Set your set
1: your mind to it, kids. <laughs> Anybody can do it. And but <laughs> but using that idea though, because that okay if reality can be so affected, then the Mandela effect might have far more reaching um, implications than just having it be something silly, like Luke, I am your father kind of thing, and which, you know, you guys got that scene in the movie. Did you have to, like, did you have to beg George Lucas, like, go to the Star Wars ranch and, like, fall to your knees and be like, George, please let us use some... How do you get Star Wars footage in a real movie?
2: I was like, George. George. (laughs) Come on, George. No, um, we were very careful with how we presented these different things in the movie so that they would be legally covered by fair use law. And so we worked with specialized attorneys in fair use law who then, you know, uh, will... Uh, Make sure that you fall under it. And there was moments when we wrote stuff or shot stuff where they said, this doesn't work anymore. You have to rethink how you present this Um, uh, so that it does fall under fair use law. And then they they write you in a letter. And since they're sort of established long-term people in the industry, an insurance company will will give you the insurance you need to release your movie. And so if they do have a problem with it, it won't cost you anything to talk about it in court. So that's sort of... How a it's lot of people behind like-
3: Behind the scenes. Yeah, I find the best
2: Yeah, from Tomorrow was that Disney movie a few years ago where the people like shot the whole movie, at Disneyland. Like the same lawyers did that and supersized me and Room 237 was all fair use. And that's all the same attorney, like Michael Donaldson, who just does this. Uh, and so, yeah, we used them. And okay. thank, thankfully, I the film thinking- has that bigger feeling of connecting with the world we were all sharing together, you know?
0: But it was, it was critical that, th- that those- pieces were part of the, the public discourse. We couldn't there's no way you just pull any yeah. any moment from Star Wars. Uh, yeah, it was just so part of the commentary. Yeah. Moment. yeah. Well and, and that's the
1: thing because I'm sitting there going like, what did they have to do? Did they have to like bribe Mickey Mouse? Or like how do you get Star Wars footage in your movie? So that's cool.
2: This was a studio film, it might have been harder because then you have the in-house lawyers going, eh, this makes us nervous. But as an indie film, we don't have anyone sort of telling us not to do stuff. So you sort of can to take risks you couldn't do if it was a bigger movie.
1: Well, an indie film, though, with a, a great cast and, I mean, um, like when I was looking over the cast, I'm like, okay, they got Clark Peters from The Wire. Well, all right. Now, like that's, I mean, and I know this may not be particularly paranormal unless, like, how, how did you get him in the movie? Did you read the script? He's like, this is great.
2: I was like, Clark. 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 George, George said to give me give you a call. No, I mean he was on a short list of people we were interested in. Uh, someone who just feels wise, and 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 someone who could also play a character who was a little broken. As we sort of as as people will see in the movie, he's got his own life stuff that he's been dealing with. Uh, But, you know, so do we take him seriously or not? Is he helping Brendan or putting him further down the wrong path? It's sort of all a question. And he was one of these actors whose presence without direction already kind of can do that. And, And as Lester Freeman on The Wire, you know, he was this person you could always look up to. And then in his other work, too, he just has this... This wiseness to him, and even in real life, he's just a very
0: oh yeah, he's got
2: a lot of very, gravitas, he's got like that. Yeah. yeah, a lot, yeah. yeah. Uh, which is why Gravitas Ventures is distributing the movie because they saw Gravitas That's exactly, right. yeah. And
0: then,
1: Synchronicities, um, dudes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, he also he also portrayed Mandela in an earlier project. Uh, yeah, I didn't realize that. Ago, so was like weird. After we cast him, yeah, but that is yeah. a cool. Oh.
2: But no, maybe he thought. Maybe
1: when he read the script, he's like, "Oh, it's another. It's a Nelson Mandela bio. (laughs) That sounds great."
2: We went to him, and and the thing is, he loves existential thinking. He really is a big thinker, and uh, there's YouTube videos I found of him talking about different, you know, just heady ideas and philosophies. And you could tell he just likes talking and thinking about things in this realm. So like, uh, it was just the material. You know, we were lucky that he read it and said, "Oh, this is cool." if I can make the time and we had to do some creative scheduling cause he had some other shows, but, uh, he sort of made the time and went out of his way to make sure he could make it work. And it was kind of thrilling because, you know, he didn't need to, uh, but he did.
1: Well, his presence certainly adds, like you said, the gravitas to the film and his character is somebody that needs to be, um, not, it, it could have come off as a mad scientist right quick. Right. So somebody who doesn't have that kind of presence, um, could make the role less less majestic and more uh you know more laugh not necessarily laughable but with a like a, a crazy glint which kind of that would move the the film in a different direction i think
2: and it, it just no, I, I, like trailer trailer responses like i 'll get online i 'll look at people reacting to the trailer like that 's a thing now there 's like trailer reaction people and for uh, the future it sucks. <laughs> Right, and a lot of people like. I think he's sort of helping shape their perception of what this film might be because, you know, he has an impact immediately on people when they see him. Um, So it's kind of perfect because if we had someone who just wasn't as interesting or couldn't hold the camera's gaze, it would have yeah been a different movie.
1: Well, you know, and like you were saying that uh, you know Clark Peters might be open to talking about the big questions and philosophical ideas and stuff. As um, you guys have worked in like paranormal reality TV before. So is that something that you have had a natural affinity for? Or were you just like, um, I need rent.
2: (laughs) (laughs) We did not get to pay rent with this movie, unfortunately. (laughs) Um, Yeah. But I I mean, I I, like, yeah,
0: I work a lot in documentary, uh, television, uh, not so much reality, but, but a lot of the stuff I've worked on is crossed over into, um, uh, either paranormal or, or cryptozoological or, or sort of, um, sort of big concept, like what if science shows like life after people and things like that. Um, but, uh, I, I mean, I've always, I've always been David and I've both been sci-fi and horror genre fans. For a long time our first project together was was a horror film i think that we both share an appreciation and an interest in in um in those genres and in those fields of study frankly i mean when um uh even on even on like a folk folkloric level uh, i really really love um jumping into um a research project for for one of these shows and it certainly helped influence some of of what we did in in this uh just in, in, in finding different, uh, points of view and different stories and applying that to the, to the, to the, to our story.
1: Well, what I thought was cool was that, um. It does go deeper than just the Mandela effect because I, I was like, well, how are they going to make a movie about this? And I'm watching – all I could think of was that like there was a new Twilight Zone episode. Um, if you remember like in the 1980s, they did a Twilight Zone and a lot of cool, cool directors did like Wes Craven did episodes. Toby, Toby Hooper did episodes and they had a, a specific new Twilight Zone that was about a guy who was uh, like specifically – it was really like particular about language. You know, and so he was very snobby about his language. And then what was happening is that language was like reframing around him, like language was shifting so that instead of the word lunch, the word the word dinosaur now meant lunch kind of thing. And so in the end of it, he has to relearn language from his daughter who's just learning how to read and speak. And then he's got to relearn how to read and everything. Um, and that's his comeuppance for being such a word snob. Or well, I mean, the writer must've had a horrible English teacher or something like that, that he wanted to take revenge on, um, for that particular episode. And so that's what I was kind of thinking. I was like, Oh, this a mental effect movie is going to be like this twilight zone movie, but for an hour and a half. Um, but then you guys took it into the, uh, a completely different, like paranormal idea, and the idea of that the life is a simulation. You before you mentioned the Matrix. There's always the Thirteenth Floor, which is the simulation movie that everybody forgets about.
2: Everyone keeps talking about that, and I wish no one ever brought it up to me while we were shooting. I wish I'd watched it for some influence. Uh, I'm gonna have to watch it. I've heard that title a lot lately. Yeah,
1: and uh, and then the Dark City. Dark City, oh, I
2: remember. Yeah. Dark City was huge for me.
0: It's all, all those, all those had like like um a lot of stylistic um similarities to The Matrix, even the ones that came before The Matrix. But it kind of got all it's like the Matrix sort of steamrolled those other films and they they kind of got um clumped together and and I don't want to say forgotten, but but definitely as time goes on, more and more overlooked. Well, they definitely
2: forgot the thirteenth floor.
0: Yeah. Like <laughs> nobody's talking about that yeah. today.
2: And that was like the same no. time as The Matrix, right? That was like the same That's year. what I mean. They just same year, it. yeah. So the that matrix is second fiddle so to the, the matrix. Hour, right? yeah.
1: yeah. Now, when you guys were doing research on the idea of the Mandela effect and of the you know, the, the, the universe perhaps being a some kind of simulation, um how far did you get into the weeds when it came to like the uh well, the different people that have been paranormal like, like writing about this in the paranormal field for a it's while?
2: It's pretty easy to say that And, you know, this might offend some people who are more sensitive to, you know, different opinions. Like, I've noticed that in the Mandela effect community that, you know, sometimes self-labeled as the affected, people don't like to hear your opinion because it might not match theirs, and then they, they get sort of sensitive about it. But without trying to, you know, piss off people, you know, I can easily look at Mandela effects and explain them to myself, you know, like the Monopoly man versus the Peanut man, you know, and how we could easily melds of those memories our memories are very fluid but you know when you start thinking about you know those are flags that draw you to bigger ideas like simulation theories um you know then it's harder to, when science and smart debate comes into it it's hard uh, to sometimes explain it and there was one moment in the rabbit hole when uh, there's this guy on a panel with Neil deGrasse Tyson called Dr. James Gates. And I don't know if you're familiar with him. And there's a clip of this in the movie, it's brief. But he works on supersymmetry, which is like a branch of physics. And he discovered what he describes uh, as what appears to resemble computer code uh, called error correcting codes embedded in equations of supersymmetry that describe fundamental particles. And you know, and they resemble what programmers use in browser windows you know and and computing and the fact that the building blocks of life resemble the building blocks of computing is just something that makes the emoji with the head exploding you know the most used one i use now because it's just like you know how do you then turn that off and, 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 and try to be like, oh, well, that's just, you know. <laughs> you just right. you really start to go like, oh, there's really something to this. And then when you think about the mathematical likelihoods of it being a simulation being so exponentially greater than it not, you know, like if you look at Nick Bolstrom's work and, and his hypothesis on simulation theory, it's so much more likely that we are, <laughs> that, you know, However, you know, I still feel heartburn and I still like hurt myself and I feel very physical and alive, but, and and that's how I try to keep myself from going insane. But, you know, when you look at these ideas, it's hard to argue them. And a lot of people just
0: don't argue them, you know? So Dave, Dave got really deep into the weeds, Mike, to answer the question. (laughs) Uh,
4: I I, I I was was always,
0: I was always, yeah, I mean, I, I think we always wanted to, um, uh, re uh, that that we still would have an audience that might be watching this and and uh, being introduced to some of these ideas for the first time. So we, you know, it was always a, a matter of sort of bringing the story back to to these people and, the, and something more relatable, um, but all along influenced by these by these bigger concepts. But it wouldn't, it, it, you know, it just wouldn't be a, a film. You couldn't sustain it with with just presenting one idea after another. It had to be this emotional journey
2: it's sort of like the film is now a gateway to people to finish the movie and then go look into stuff, you know, like we've, we've shown you little breadcrumbs now go, go down your own little rabbit hole, talk about it with your friends and family after watching it. But you know, these ideas are out there and now you maybe might be aware that that's a way to kill some time. So, so
3: you're really thinking of it as a way to, you know, motivate people to actually look into the phenomenon phenomenon for themselves.
2: Sure. I mean, Uh, yeah, I think so. I think the idea has always been like, you know, even if they like the movie or don't, I think the thing we're hoping to get out of it is a conversation that it's not a movie that's forgotten. Like I go see movies and I forgot it by the time I get home and it doesn't pop into my head again. But you know, like this movie or not, I think when you get home, it's going to pop into your head and you're going to have more questions and you're going to want to spend some time exploring those ideas. Well, and you know, as we're
1: talking about exploring big picture ideas, you know, breaking that down, there's the emotional element which you know drives a narrative is you know often is going to be something that happens um to someone and then they that's what kind of sets it off and of course, this movie has its the the what happens to the main character that kind of sets him off, but when you guys are trying to explain big ideas to non-technical viewers did you find yourself in the creation process or the writing and the rewriting process like going through going okay too nerdy too weird too uh, you know But there's certain things that you had in the original drafts of the script that you're like hold on this part puts the audience to sleep um is there was there anything in particular in trying to express those big picture ideas that you had to go back and like rewrite um to kind of simplify them
2: well, there were like concepts that we thought worked with the material and we maybe tried to see ways to get them in there. Uh, and then we're just like, you know, it's not necessary. This is just fat uh, that we don't
0: need. Uh, yeah, so, yeah like, sometimes it wasn't in the writing process. You'd, you'd, you'd realize it on set. You'd, you'd hear the actors say a certain line and it's like, this isn't really needed. We, we understand, you know, we don't, we don't want to have to spell everything out. So sometimes just, just seeing it, the, the subtext and the performance might might bring something out.
2: Like Quantum Entanglement and Schrodinger's Cat were big things for sort of just the ideas behind how, you know, the universe might work in my head, too. And then I was, you know, you look at the material and you're like, yeah, but that doesn't help the story we're telling. So, you know, maybe you just get a frame of a Schrodinger cat on this computer, but that's all you get into the movie.
1: And right, which is obviously when you're getting into the – um. Because quantum physics is always such a I – mean, people use that as like a word for God now. You know? They'll be like, well, obviously this is true because, you know, quantum physics. And you're like, hold on. <laughs> I mean that's a, that, that's the ultimate, you know, deus ex machina or whatever. this' right. like, well,
3: That's the shorthand.
1: Einstein believed it. So that's it. Spooky action at a distance. Movies over, pal. It's great for <laughs> sci-fi
2: films, I'll tell you. It explains yeah, right.
1: a lot. Um. And so, you know, one thing I'm interested, though, is that, as you said, you guys always had an affinity for supernatural and horror, and now you're coming in to create a fictional narrative based on a modern uh, paranormal topic. Have you guys ever had a paranormal experience? Did you guys have something in general that you're like, well, I've seen something weird?
0: Dave, you want to go? No, I
2: was going to say you go. I have to think about it <laughs> you you order your dinner first <laughs> uh you know um i i, I haven't per
0: you know i' i haven't had a a uh an easily identifiable paranormal experience uh though i will say um many times in my childhood growing up in the in the woods of north central Wisconsin, um there are times where there's just a, uh, especially at night, uh, especially crossing from our bunkhouse to my grandparents, um, house, uh, late at night, where there's, there's a, there's some sort of presence, uh, something. And I don't know if it's just, just the environment and just, just your imagination, but, but, um, I have had that feeling of, of being watched and feeling vulnerable in a, in a place that is secluded or remote. That was just me, buddy. That was oh yeah. Okay. And I feel a lot better now, <laughs> but yeah. So, so I, I'm, I'm open-minded to it and I, I love talking to people that, um, that have had those experiences and um, you know, there's, there's almost this hope that we discover something uh, tangible or that I can experience something tangible. Um, but uh, that's, that's yeah. That's probably why around. we look at, this genre, you know, it's because
2: like like we want that. Um, you know, and that's why movies like Fire in the Sky scare the shit out of you, even though they're really cool. <laughs> right. well,
1: yeah. That the last 20 minutes of Fire in the Sky
2: are Definitive like the, alien abduction. Some of, the, cinema.
1: some of the scariest stuff on film and
2: like in the nineteen yeah. nineties. The first eighty just, minutes are just horrible though.
4: <laughs> well, like James
2: I mean, Garner.
3: When you, when oh, you meet Travis Walton, though, I mean that's,
2: no, that's I wish. it for me. You know? Yeah, and like, and Bob Lazar. When you hear him speak, you're like, man, it's hard to like not believe this guy. He just doesn't want to be talking to you, and then that like adds credibility to it. But uh, for me, like, I had mo- a moment that just stuck with me as a kid. But at the same time, I, I'm also very aware that as a child with a very active imagination, so like I kind of immediately, as a child, also wrote it off as that. But I uh, had a, I grew up and spent a lot of time in Colorado with my family, and the Trail of Tears had actually gone through our property and i always sort of uh had this memory of a native american ghost like hanging out with me while i was sleeping you know at night and i was i have that vision but that's again you know i was like single digits so it's hard to really say maybe i just wanted imaginary friends too but it wasn't like a friend it was like i was like oh is it gone yet you know um but I have that vision in my my brain
0: for sure. In your in your bedroom, or or just you were you yeah. Were we had like this this. Ideas. My sisters
2: and I shared a loft, and they'd be asleep, and I'd like look up, and I'd see like is that, that's a, is that the Indian ghost? It's oh, a whole man. Native American. Sorry, but well it that's was okay. Right. I mean, th- but as a th- kid, that's not what we called people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so like that's but, the right. I have. Yeah, yeah.
3: So probably Cherokee right? Yeah, maybe. Um, I
2: don't know. I think so also, that, also
3: on the
1: trail of tears, it's not like they're going to be like, Hey, who's that white guy? Let's make yeah. friends. Yeah. Like they're going totally. like,
2: to be drink a little bit of sleep. And I always <laughs> had like a, yeah, exactly. And I always had this vision, you know, that, was, that happened to me, but you know, I'm also like kind of skeptical when it comes to those things. I'm like, yeah, I also like imagined having hoverboards too, you know? So.
3: Yeah. Uh, but what would be awesome is if you got together with a, a sketch artist and um, to see what you recall, yeah. and then I you draw know, maybe, my uncle.
2: <laughs> I was like, well, oh, that's, that's uncle, uh, Uncle Steve. Well, oh, well, that's just, weird. Watching yeah,
3: me, Well, at least you would know then, or <laughs> match it up with you know pictures of the time, um, and see if it uh, if it looks like it could be a Cherokee person. There might be details in there that that you couldn't have known. That that's, that's might surprise cool. you. Yeah, that is so, cool. Just an idea, you know, because I, I, I'm a person who, you know, has investigated the paranormal for about 20 years now. And I just remember, you know, being so frustrated for so long <laughs> because there's just so much slack out there um, and nonsense. But then, you know, when you have your own experience, you know, you always have this feeling like.
2: A well, moment of something r- irrefutable, right? Like something right. Like I can't. Yes.
3: Thank God that's happened to me because otherwise, you know, with all the crap that's out there that I've had to put up with recently, you know, I would have run the other way into the waiting arms of Richard Dawkins. You know, that's that's where I was. But
4: that's why this
2: film was so exciting, though, because like there were moments when I'd be like, I can't actually wait. This makes sense to me. Oh, God, this makes sense. You know, and it's like, yeah,
4: yeah.
3: Yeah, well, the great thing about this movie is it, it kind of co- combines those things, you know, the numinous and the scientific. And, you know, there are very intelligent people who who are seriously considering simulation as a possibility. So, yeah, I, mean, I mean, that's, and that's like,
2: and Sam Harris and Elon Musk. Like they're all right. like talking about it like, well, don't dismiss that. And you're like, yeah, yeah, like what does like Sam Harris like- Yeah, it's like when does he ever get a cameo in a movie? You're
1: like, like, hey, I'm like, I was looking at like when I was writing down notes. I think I put Sam Harris with an exclamation mark. Yeah, (laughs) I put I put the Pirate Bay with an exclamation mark too, because it's of course like he's looking for something that he can't find, you know, and so he's like, "Well, I'm just going to go to the Pirate Bay." (laughs) Like (laughs) that's what
2: everybody does, you know. Um, You can relate to the movie that through the Pirate
1: (laughs) Bay, right? right, Complete. Well, it's it's those little things, and like oh, there. I mean, there's an Art Bell quote in there, you know. There's. Is a call and then like I'm like, is that art's voice or is that like some like just talking like art? But it, it's it's ca- those kind of things that like they like the story is um, powerful in its own way as someone dealing with loss. And I think we all, all have that kind of feeling where there's things in our past that we wish were different. Mm. And the Mandela or, effect, or there will be. or, the, or, or well, there's going to be, be for we'll
3: all. I'll be there.
1: Yes. And it's that idea that you know, um, I I wish that things were different. And uh, to some people now, they're seeing these little parts in their life that, oh, things were different than how I remembered them. And then, how would we go then about kind of figuring out a way to, to make things more like the better memory?
0: Yeah, or 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 it's the inverse. You you um you cherish a memory you cherish the experience you had with, with somebody that you may have lost and you don't want that messed with. You don't want, you're afraid of that changing or somebody changing it, that, that precious memory. So it's, it it could kind of go both ways. I'd say precious memory. That sounds like, isn't it like a,
3: you're thinking of precious
0: of moments okay yeah yeah, yeah precious so, moments
3: that's no, okay. i'm about yeah. to go- okay <laughs> you, you can be a man and say precious I'm,
0: so yeah okay no i just thought it. i was talking it. about the uh, the figurines or something from uh, no, so, no no yeah, what well, we're pla-
1: what we're planning on doing is like everybody on the podcast then gets a little engraved heart necklace we didn't tell you about that <laughs> no. we get that at precious moments <laughs> um no but that i uh like that idea though the memories you don't want to mess with, but they can be messed with, and also questioning them. You know, we've talked about that a lot on, on this show because we've talked about alien abduction experiences, and we've talked about uh, Dr. Elizabeth Loftus's experiments with memory. And I had a college friend that worked in her laboratory, and they would do experiments where they tried to inject fake memories into people, like not inject like with a with a, a syringe or whatever, or with pills, like on the latest Watchmen, but. They would try to, you know, subtly give people fake memories and then see if they would remember them themselves. And they found that just by suggestions um, or having a line in a diary or something, people would remember as, remember things from when they were a kid that never happened. That they could create fake memories in people, and. To me, uh, like that fallibility of memory and that memory is constantly changing and that you are re remember, you know, whether or not we actually live in a simulation, which we totally do, by the way, <laughs> <I agree>. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, you know, whether or not we live in a simulation, it's the idea though, that our mind is simulating memory because it's remembering, uh, sometimes it's remembering how we remember it, you know? If if that makes sense, like instead of remembering the actual event, we have our memories of the event and then our mind is recreating the event in our heads. It's not like a photograph, but it's like a, like a sketch artist redoing it every single time.
2: Yeah. It's our cachet, right? Yeah. Yeah,
3: absolutely. So what happens then when people watch your film and they, they uh, have that moment of ennui, that existential crisis, (laughs) <laughs> what can you suggest?
1: Are you guys ready for that kind of responsibility? <laughs>
3: yes. What can you suggest to, um, up, to kind of moderate the ennui or, or to get yourself out of it? Or, you know, what do we do if we're living in a world of shifting sands? How can you even decide what you're going to have for breakfast?
2: Well, you know, like it, one thing that I always, that leads to, like the also, I, I never thought of it that way before, but like one thing I have thought about is like, well, why care anymore if it's all simulated you know and there's a scene in the movie where uh, clark peters is talking to charlie uh, so the doctor is talking to brandon and he says you know like do you remember the feeling you had when your daughter was born the tears on your cheek when she died like that you get to feel these things should be real enough you know like it's like all right yes but it could be fake but it feels real and that's sort of all that matters. If it didn't feel real, then maybe you would have the questions of like, well, why do I care? You know, but if the illusion's working.
3: So the authenticity comes from the quality of your emotional reactions.
2: I think so. I don't know. You know, like, yeah. And, I, and what, I think where I like to think and if there's any positivity to it. That's it. You know?
0: And I think we still have, um, I, I think, I think we have to acknowledge that there's a lot of, forces that would like to put us on, on uh, rails and uh, not control everything that we do, but certainly guide us. And whether that's um, just, um, you know, our own consumerism or or uh, sort of how we're programmed by social media to, to behave certain ways or, and that can all be exploited, but we still have our own, um, we can still, we're still like self-governing beings. We still make choices. Uh, so it's, it's making, good decisions as you progress uh, through life and, in being aware that there are um, that there are others that, that might want to guide you one way or the other uh, and, and, and finding out and learning about yourself, learning, learning what you're susceptible to and, and how you can respond as you, as you're, as you're confronted with these, these, these choices. And, and so, yeah, so he, so the main character in this movie is not a robot. Um, he, he, you know, just because he might be in a simulation, he's but he, he still has his own uh, self self his own consciousness, his own his own self- well, yeah,
3: so this really has could have social implications for people. you know, you're thinking that that uh, I you know I really liked what you said about that that there are people out there that would control you or you know want your dollar or want mm-hmm. some want your vote or want something from mm-hmm. you, and you have to be aware. Of so their it, very um, real presence in your lives yeah. and, you know, make your decision, make your decisions in life with that in mind, you know, that there are ulterior motives, find out what those are and form yourself and then make decisions based on that.
1: Well, it doesn't have to be, the ulterior motives don't have to be bad. Like it's not like, it's not like Skeletor is behind everything and he's like, <laughs>
4: right.
2: <laughs> no, right, right. At times it feels feels like someone's 13-year-old son got into the lab and is just having fun. (laughs) Of course. Like when you're playing a game, you're like, all right, I'm just going to jump out of this plane and see what happens to this character I'm playing. You know what I mean? Like, like, oh God, not today.
1: I feel like that when I turn on TV and now it's like you you watch something and you're like, oh my God, all my balls from Idiocracy is real. Yeah. Like he's he's got the controller. Yes.
2: Yeah, he's got the right. controller,
3: he's like, oh. and he's like, "What are they gonna do?" <laughs> yes, <laughs> but I guess the, idiocracy like has aged really well. Yeah, well, idiocracy. Really well, it's horrifying.
1: Idiocracy wasn't just a. It, it should be a history book, um, or you know, it's a, it's a, like a documentary. But the thing is, is that I like what you said there, though. That we do have our free will. The character, it's a, in his expression of free will, instead of. I don't think it's a spoiler to say that instead of this, it's not like some kind of French new wave cinema where the main character like sees this bigger reality and then just says, "Well, I have to accept it now," and just goes off in the corner and smokes cigarettes for another fifteen minutes. <laughs> it's you know that the the character you know is driven to agency by seeing the bigger reality and. I mean, I think that's a, that the kind of message where you just said, yes, people are trying to influence our decisions. We're, I mean, you guys are trying to influence people's decisions about what to do. They want to, you want to go see the movie. We're <laughs> trying, we're trying to influence people's decisions. We want them to listen to a podcast or listen to the songs we write for the podcast, that whole kind of thing. And, um, and that's okay. It's just understand that people are trying to not necessarily manipulate us, but they're trying to attract us and know that. I want to go towards the things that enrich and bring value to my life versus the things that just make me like me and the rest of the world stupider.
3: Yeah. Take the power back, bro.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, 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 so, and part of that, and part, and part of what happens in the film is, is accepting some of the bad things that come with life. Uh, and, and for that character to, to, to grow, I think he had to accept the, the tragedy that, that happened. Um, the, what he perceives as a simulation, try to give that thing he lost back, uh, as, as a way to stop him from, from moving forward. And perhaps it's the yeah. I mean, there's, there's different ways to interpret it, but, but yeah, it, it, it dovetails with the conversation. Yeah. yeah. There's ways to
2: interpret it for sure. Yeah.
1: You know, I, I mentioned before the deus ex machina and there's not, you know, there isn't a point, like I was expecting more as narrative cheating, um, you know, uh, in the film and that it was a really, it was a real delight to not see that the narrative cheating um, and the kind of the story makes sense from beginning to end. And I wasn't but quite
2: still, expecting that. Still leaving it a little confusing enough. <laughs> like a, well, kind of, I mean, kind of wanted people to yeah. still do like scratch their head and, and you know, but yeah, go on. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> no, I was just saying, so a, as far as the film goes, it is narratively satisfying in that way that it's not, something just magical happens at the end and be like, well, it's magic. Da 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 da
3: Bye. <laughs> it was all a dream. Right.
1: right. So um, no, we do encourage people to check out a uh, Mandela Effect the movie. Now, if you're not in Los Angeles and can make the premiere like ninety nine percent of the United States, how can you see this movie? Uh how can we watch it?
2: Well let me tell you what the other cities are. Uh if I have them, yeah. So if you are in Orlando, San Francisco, LA, Minneapolis, Boston, Philly, Cleveland, Houston, Denver, and Miami areas, uh, go to our oh, social. That covers a good portion. Yeah, they'll be in theaters like one theater in each city for like a week. But honestly, uh, the easiest way, obviously, is just to order it on VOD. It'll be on every VOD service. So if you order movies from your cable provider, from like Apple TV or Amazon, it'll be there. Voodoo, your video game machines um same day so december 6th it's coming out and it's going to okay. it's going to be a tipping point is what everyone <laughs> is, is something I'm seeing right. in the comments of everywhere it's like this the, the, could be the tipping point like, i hope yes, not
3: yes, everybody Life will imitates like, art where were you on december 6th
2: yeah i don't know i apparently some movie i never heard of like shut down the simulation <laughs> <laughs> No, but it's it's that
1: kind of thing, though. Um, movies with big ideas give you a chance to you know rethink that and also explore more in your own life. And so that's one of the reasons we encourage people to watch movies with big ideas so we can have conversations about them instead of just, um, I don't know, talking about who's going to win in a fight, Superman versus Iron Man. Well, they live in different universes, though. Ah, but what if the the simulation combined the universes and then Superman and Iron Man were in the same universe? Like, we could talk about that all day, but it's movies like The Mandela Effect that let us think about uh, the bigger issues than just uh, who's got the better uh, titanium armor or whatnot. So we appreciate Talk about
3: the, uh, uh, the eternal, the essential questions that we all grapple with in life, so... That, that's why we really enjoyed the movie.
1: So grapple with your Xbox in order to the mentality <laughs> that's effect meta.
2: Let's go so meta. <laughs> um,
1: have you guys thought about like the next project or anything beyond that in also maybe going back to the uh, real life paranormal topic well?
2: Well? Oh, the well of ideas, you know, like, yes, the pulling well of, up, <laughs> pulling up the bucket of
1: putting, pulling up the, the, the body or the girl from the, stuff. the girl from the ring. No,
2: no, <laughs> well, I know Stefan and I are always like drawn to just big ideas. Like, okay, here's the situation. What if, uh, I don't know if we found that idea yet. We we're, we're doing a comic book that's being drawn right now that we wrote with a big idea. That's about, uh, aliens, um, Okay. But that's all will say it's going to be like another year of drawing because it's a very complex book but uh it's written and it's it's in production um and then as far as film ideas and or tv ideas i think we just we're still spitballing you know hopefully hopefully we have something really interesting i think we we had a lot of fun thinking about material in a way that you have to make it make sense with a big idea and and I think would you rather was like, you know, the, the feet in the shallow end. And this was more of us getting really your whole bodies in there.
0: Um, yeah. And I, and I think there's more, you know, we've talked off and on about going back to that. Well, uh, just as, as um, our world has progressed, uh, would you rather is still um, relevant. And there's, there's another, there's other stories to tell within that, that world.
1: Okay. Um, you know, did anything happen on set in particular when you guys were working on the Mantella effect? did, to the like, did the actors or you guys have any Mandela effect <laughs> on the set? Where, Is there
3: a Mandela effect curse?
2: <laughs> <laughs> right. um, we lost but any three uh, three children. <laughs>
1: no, right, we didn't say the actor the actress that plays the daughter. She
2: was the fourth one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, I, I don't have any big moment. Do you
3: or synchronicities? No, I, Those are I'll, good too.
2: I'll just say
0: we 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 shot most of, we he's, shot a he's lot sitting the on
2: the set of the Mandela effect as we talk to him right now
0: correct <laughs> the, we shot it in my house um oh wow and uh and so so watching it so after well, the man. fact has been
2: uh
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's it's sur- it's surreal to watch it in the film uh to see this other family in place of yours and uh you know That's little, your family still. In, in different places than pictures. you remember them yeah yeah um so that, that's sort of an ongoing Mandela effect. Every time I watch it, I'm like, oh, God, this is kind of spooky. <laughs> All right, cool.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, we look forward to hearing about the next project, guys. Uh, good luck with the film. I hope I hope it changes the world or at the very least, gets people to think about some of these um topics and also uh, gets moved you know i think people i think people will be moved by the story and hopefully they'll get moved to you know think about some of these kind of issues so if you guys are interested in checking out links to the mandela effect we're gonna have those on uh, othersidepodcast.com 276 so othersidepodcast.com slash 276 in case you're listening in your car and you can't wait to get home and watch the movie just go there and there'll be a link uh to the different places where you can find it video on demand
0: And thank you very much for joining us. Thank you so much. this. This is fun. Mike, Allison, thank you.
3: Thank you.
1: For the song this week, we were inspired by the ideas of the Mandela effect to sing about pain that shouldn't be there, but it is. In the movie, people are wondering how you can remember something that never happened. In phantom limb phenomena, people who have a leg or arm amputated still feel pain from the limb that's no longer there. While there's a scientific explanation for it, neurons in the brain that would usually be sensing those areas are getting stimulated accidentally by the neurons next to them, it's the idea that something impossible is hurting you. Here's our song inspired by the Mandela Effect, Phantom Limb.
0: to today's episode you can find us online at othersidepodcast.com until next time see you on the other side
5: The Mandela effect what a fascinating topic and such a great subject to make a movie about. Hi, this is Wendy and I just want to thank Mike and Allison as well as our guests Stefan and David for the stimulating conversation today and if you're interested in learning more about the Mandela effect, you might want to look back at an earlier episode we did on that topic. And that was episode 198, titled The Mandela Effect, False Memories or Parallel Universes. You can find that at OthersidePodcast.com slash 198. We would love to hear any stories you might have about having a memory that didn't quite match reality. So if you have something to share like that, please send it to us either on Twitter at OthersideTalk talk or just email it to us at show at othersidepodcast.com. We love hearing from you. Finally, I'd like to express our gratitude to the Patreon members who kindly, generously, boldly, bravely contribute to our cause of paranormal education and research here at CU on the other side. Our Patreon member, Ned, gets a bonus hey-hey because he's pledging at an executive producer level. And Ned, thank you so much for that. If you would like to join our community, there are a variety of levels, something for everyone, and you can find out all the information on that at othersidepodcast.com/donate. Thank you for listening, and I hope you have an absolutely awesome week. George. George.
4: <laughs> Come on, George. Clark. Clark. <laughs> Clark. George Clark. George said to give me give you a call.